driven. Created. You're listening to the Beep and Velocity podcast, and this is episode two. I'm Deborah, and I'm going to be your host, and I will be joined by two lovely ladies, Steph Robinson and Beth Laker. So American, that name. So we're going to be speak, going to be talking about lots about bikes, track days, charity work, and general growing of friendships. Welcome, ladies. I'm, as you know, I'm so excited to get you on this podcast, you know, months and months and months, and now we're finally here. How are you both, and how's the motorbike community? Oh, good. Oh, good. <laughs> yeah, I feel like you've uh, you've built us up quite a lot there, and uh, we might be a massive letdown, so apologies in advance. <laughs> I don't think your listeners really know what they let themselves in for, Deb. <laughs> They, they sign the disclaimer when they start listening, so it's absolutely <laughs> fine. That's good, that's good to know. <laughs> yes. Both biker girls in the community, tell us a little bit more about it. Do you want us to give you a bit of a background in terms of where we when we started riding and how we got into it? Would that be a good place to Do you know what? That would be a very good place to start because obviously, okay. you know, there's always a start to a journey. Yeah, so I'll go first. Um, so Steph. <laughs> um, I, I started riding uh, four years ago, so it'll be my fourth anniversary next month. And I kind of had a bit of a, I guess, late 20s crisis in the fact that I suddenly realised that there's a lot of things that I wanted to do. Um, and I always had an interest in bikes. I'm a, a bit of a petrol head anyway. And um, yeah, I just decided that one day I was going to go and do my my bike license I had no idea what I was letting myself in for and I can tell you now it's probably the best thing well it, I, I say probably it is the best thing I've ever done um I absolutely love it I met Steph through free riding um and obviously we've met so many other people in the biking community as well and I, I genuinely don't think there's any other community like it so yeah that's that's me uh so I've had my license for just over five years now um and I purposely phrase it like that because I, it actually took me three years to get my license um so I've been technically riding for for longer um I got into biking because uh I think when I grew up I did everything that boys did and I was a bit of a tomboy and I didn't really like girls a lot I didn't really like have a lot of friends that were girls I think because of a lot of clickiness and bitchiness and just sort of a lot of peer pressure and so I just you know I went to scouts I played football um, and I just did all of that and it just was a logical thing for me to do there's quite a few um, guys in my family that have had motorbikes um, my dad and my granddad have, have um, you know all grown up on motorbikes um, my dad famously was gifted a Royal Enfield and decided that he wanted to learn how to take it apart and put it back together and he got it apart and that was it. It stayed in a box for the rest of its life and could never put it back together. Um, and um, yeah, every time I see my granddad, um, he tells me about his bikes. Um, and it's just nice to have that connection and, and just have the image in my head that he tells me every time of going round a roundabout with my nan in a sidecar. Uh, and it's just sort of lifting a little as he's going round the roundabout a bit too fast. So um, I think it's just in my blood, maybe in my family. Uh, and it was just sort of natural progression for me to do it. But as I say, like, it, it was a three-year journey to get there, but uh, it's nothing I regret. It, it's definitely the best thing I've ever done. Sure, it's really funny, Steph, listening to you say that, because I know we have a lot of similarities, and we joke about this all the time. Yep. 
but actually that's quite similar to my family history <laughs> and the yes. fact that you know like my, my granddad used to ride with my gran and you know when I when I did my test it was very much like my I didn't tell my parents that I was going to ride there was only two, two things in life that I was told that I was never allowed to do and that was ride a motorbike and get a tattoo and um yeah I just went out and did my test and turned up one day and a bike was delivered and my mum was like what on earth are you doing like why have you and eventually she got her head around it but I think it's because we have that connection with my granddad so now you know when we when we when we ride to the Brecon Beacons I always make a, a thing of stopping in front of this waterfall where my gran and granddad always used to stop and uh, normally take a picture of the same place and you know it's just nice to have that that memory and that you know that connection to know that they used to ride there and now I ride there and yeah it's just really lovely. Do you know what that's two nice stories there it goes quite nicely onto the question I was going to ask next actually so a lot of people that have been listening to our podcast so far are fully aware that we've already had some amazing bike races on yes female bike races thrilled to bits and how they've progressed um now in BSB support races but obviously money's involved not many people can compete in those sort of championships so the next best thing is track days and Mm. I know you two absolutely love your track days and if there's anyone listening this is going to be key for you guys if you ever want to get involved in a track day or go with these girls because they're very much inviting tell us when you decided to do some track days so I did my first track day uh within my first year of having my big bike license um I was on a 400 it was an absolute pocket rocket um and I was really fortunate that at the time Silverstone were running a they called it a ladies skills day um and it was on the Stowe circuit it's a really really tiny circuit I think it's like 1.1 miles round uh, you can see the whole circuit from um pit lane uh, and it's it's tight and it's technical, um, but it it teaches you you know acceleration, braking, getting corner speed, and all of that. But within the confines of a smaller track, um, I remember like rocking up and physically being sick from nerves um, and like shaking, uh, sitting at the end of pit lane waiting for the green lights. Of course, I was in the novice group because it was my first ever track day, at skills day, I should say, um, and, and literally shaking. Um, went out, did the first 20-minute session and got every single corner wrong, you know, uh, missed breaking markers and went straight on. Um, had people come flying past me that, in all honesty, shit me up um, and just wasn't very comfortable, wasn't very happy. Um, and the team down there, the instructors um, down there, they just, they basically just sweep you up and say, right, come on, you, you're clearly having a bit of a, of a tough time. Let's tell you round. And they, sh- they spend time with you. They show you the lines. They, you know, they're, they're, they're hanging off their bikes, sort of giving you directions, break here, you know, and, and, and all of that sort of jazz, which is pretty epic when you're holding on for dear life on your first track day and you're watching them do that. Um, but what was quite uh, astounding for me personally was remembering all of those feelings in that first 20, 30 minutes of the day and then literally getting black flagged in the last session of the day because I refused to come in when the checkered flag came out. Because <laughs> <laughs> I was having too much fun. So I went round for an extra lap. Have you been black flagged since? No, no, I've not been black flagged since. I mean, I could try. No, <laughs> 27 yeah. definitely <laughs> yeah we're back there yeah we're going back on the 27th of uh, July so we can we can try very easily try to get black flags again <laughs> so yeah it's it's um but I think Beth your your first track experience you you equally had the roller coaster of emotions and and that's the side that people don't talk about yeah um, and it's important to acknowledge yeah I think that that would be my my addition to this this conversation I think in the fact that you know, people, people in the biking world always say, you've got to do a track day, you've got to do a track day, you've got to do a track day. And I was like, what is it with track days? I mean, I'm a, I'm a pure adrenaline junkie. And I, I mean, I did a skydive and I landed and I was like, oh, that was good. But 
I like it it was it was good but it wasn't enough and and you know track is the only thing that I found that is actually enough in terms of that adrenaline fix but people were talking about it and they were saying you've you've got to do a track day you've got to do a track day improve your riding you've got to do it it's so much fun and I was thinking I don't feel as if I'm competent enough to to do a track day and bearing in mind I only started doing track days last summer so I'd already you know I've been riding sort of two and a half three years and um now you can't get me off the damn things but yeah the the emotion the the emotional roller coaster is what people don't tell you about and I think this is where it's really important to have these conversations because that's the reality and people talk about the buzz that track days give you they don't talk about and I don't know why actually I probably do know why they're not brave enough to say do you know what I was shitting myself or do you know what, I actually really, really hard. And I actually think that that's really off-putting when you're in that situation, feeling those emotions and having everybody around you being like, it's great, it's good fun. Uh, you know, I, I had to put myself in time out. I had to physically go <laughs> after my third session, I had to go and put myself in time out. So I, I sat on the pit lane wall on the steps, literally my hood up. And I was like, don't speak to me. The guys that I went with, I was like, do not come and speak to me. I just needed time to allow my head to find itself again because I was so frustrated. I was so cautious. I was so pissed off. I was so excited at the same time. And you just can't do anything with those emotions. It just becomes overwhelming. And I think that that is the hardest thing to deal with when you think that nobody knows what you're on about. And actually, when you start talking to other people, like I said to Steph about it, and she was like, yeah, I felt exactly the same. And then I go and speak to somebody else and they're like, oh no, I felt exactly the same too. Why has no fucker ever told me? Yeah. Why has nobody ever mentioned it? Because it's and, the worst feeling in the world. And those feelings don't go away. So we did a track day 3rd of May, I think it was, and we did the, the R1M masterclass at Silverstone. And it, that, that was my 10th, 11th, something like that, track day. And we had a couple of good sessions, and then I had a really bad session, and we rolled into pit lane, and I just sat on my bike, and I didn't even take my helmet off. And like if Beth knew, she just knew like, okay, just, just leave her. Just, just let her, just let her compose herself. Just don't, don't try and uh, give advice or anything like that. Cause when you get yourself into that tears, you almost just need to take a breath and, and, and just like you say, compose yourself and get back out there. And you know, that those feelings never go away, but in some respects, having those frustrations means that you're pushing, means that you're, you're learning, means that you're challenging yourself. And um, yeah. And you, I guess, you're humble with it you've not got a massive ego and you've not got the bravado and yeah I went round, got my knee down on every corner and yeah got rid of all my chicken strips and I mean clearly some of that comes with the track day but <laughs> to, a, to a lesser extent and I'm sure that when we go next week that one of us will have a session where we just want to throw our gloves at the wall not the helmet. Well, I think it, it, it's probably important to mention because come the end of the day like Steph said you don't want to get off the track and um, yes yeah, so you don't you don't want to get off the track and you you like you want to go again but your riding has improved so much so your skills on the bike your body positioning on the bike your speed on the bike your braking on like everything improves throughout the day so although you're going to have the frustration the challenge at the end of the day you can guarantee you're going to leave there on a high so yeah it's definitely worth worth a go yeah and the the other element there is that a lot of the track days that we do are single track days in in the uk and and sometimes it can feel quite difficult to sort of consolidate that learning that you've done. Although, like both of us, get back out on the road as quick as we can to 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 make that adjustment on the road. Um, but I've been fortunate enough to to do four days in a row in in Spain at Cartagena, and I know Beth was going to go this year, and and um, uh, it was cancelled due to COVID. But at the end of those four days, um, the the learning that you, that I had was was massive. Uh, the bruises were bigger and uh, and I was exhausted but it was you know worth every penny um, and I'm like waiting for the booking to be normal in adverted commas so we can get out there and do it again. Wow do you know what personally personal experience I think it goes with any like adrenaline sort of type of sport that you're learning Um, obviously most bikes you're more exposed but I can honestly, personally, to relate to some of some of the things that you've mentioned. I might not have done a bike track day because I still haven't got around to sorting my test yet. <clears throat> One day, not yet. Uh, soon, not yet. soon, <laughs> hopefully. You know, I'm one of these people that you know we all get nervous when we do stuff. But I've always had in my mind, and it was the same when I was learning how to snowboard. 
I got to the point where I was trying to learn how to do switch. I got so frustrated with myself. You know, you have to kind of put yourself to one side for a minute, have a, have a little chat and be like, right, come on, pull your granny pants up. And, you know, you know you can do it. Get on with it. And, and it's those moments where sometimes you can use your emotions to your advantage. And I always say to myself, if you're doing something wrong or you're on you're close to the edge you know you're pushing yourself and you're finding your limit and I've personally mentioned this to uh, Beth um, in some comments um, because I know you had a moment at Brands Hatch um you know a moment I had it off Debs well (laughs) it was a moment he had a he had a whoopsie (laughs) it was a very proud moment I must add (laughs) but it's great that we we can find those limits, push ourselves and then like learn from it. And I don't think it matters what type of sport you're in, that there's always going to be that there. But seriously, fair play to you guys for sharing your story because you're 100% right. This sort of thing doesn't get mentioned enough. But on another level, does doing a track day make you feel a bit safer when you're out on the road or are you still a bit cautious because obviously cars are not always friendly it's a totally different environment and I think if you come off track expecting to ride how you ride on track on the road then you're you're going to be in for a difficult time or you're going to be in for a, a dangerous situation um track is definitely the time to push your limits it's definitely the time to learn the bike it's definitely I think the time to really see what the bike can do the road isn't for that I don't think um I mean there's a road that Steph knows very very well and she can tell you every bump every dip every pothole every junction um and even on that road we ride with caution like if Mm. you if you take the bike onto the road in the same way that you take it onto track you're asking for trouble yeah you're gonna come a cropper yeah see you later listen here guys you heard it here if you're out on the road be safe be cautious that's that's our little thing here you know if if you want to you know get the old revs going book a track day but obviously expect to throw up because you're going to be nervous <laughs> I mean, not everybody throws up. Not everyone throws up, but it but, is possible. Yeah, it depends how bad your nerves get, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We're talking about track day. I guess um, the the thing that comes up between girls, in particular, in the in the biking community, is the the male female split. I guess on track, and mm. I think I posted about it a couple of I say a couple of weeks ago. It's probably months ago now. I think I'd done Snetterton and. I was one in six. So one one in six in terms of I was with six guys, six guys that I knew, but actually I was the only female on track that day out of every group. So you're probably looking at about 180 people. And that's quite a common situation for you to find yourselves in. So I think for people who are, you know, girls who are li- looking to go to track, go with another female because it can be quite a daunting experience or go with guys who you ride with quite often who just mm. accept you as, as one of the guys. Because there's nothing worse than going and... I mean, we all know what it's like. Steph? Yeah. Yeah, there's nothing worse than going with the guys that, that push you and and not in a positive way either. And, and the, the, the bravado and all of that that, that, that that comes along with it. You know, when I was in um, Cartagena, I, I massively struggled because European track days, they're not novice, intermediate and advanced. They're more intermediate, advanced and like races. Um, and so I was in the bottom group, but that was intermediate uh, individuals. And I was nowhere near that standard when I went. And the amount of guys that were coming up to me and, and felt like they needed to help me and, and to, to guide me and to give me advice. And it, it just was unnecessary. Um, you know, that's what the instructors are there to do, like let them do their job. Um and there was one guy that was in my garage and he said to me, follow my lines, like follow me around, uh, you know, just, just follow my lines and, and you'll, you'll, you'll improve your time. And I point blank that. refused, I point blank refused to do it. And um, I'm glad I did refuse to do it because we went out on the next session and he crashed and went headfirst into the gravel and was, was like knocked out. Um, so if I'd have followed him, there was every chance that I'd have followed, followed him into that crash as well. So it's, it, you do almost have to, yes, you've got to be aware of the people on track, but you've also got to ride your own kind of day, um, which is important. And yeah, don't, don't get pushed into doing things by, um, by peer pressure. <laughs> 
<laughs> ignore the egos ignore, yeah. ignore testosterone and just go and enjoy it for what it is basically the best best piece of advice we could probably give I think yeah now as far as I'm concerned and I'm sure we're going to discuss this in a moment but some of the female races that we've spoken to they've mentioned about the 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 guys and the lads that have helped and supported them let's follow on from what we were discussing and talk about the track days because I fully know that you, both you girls have got some incredible male friends that are bikers and just talk to us about them pick them up because that's what we're about is this the bit where we name drop you can, you can name drop yeah Rossi yeah <laughs> uh yeah so we have got like quite a a big bunch of of guys and girls that that we ride with and to be honest we wouldn't ride with the let's use the phrase the arseholes that are chauvinistic or or have a really negative view of female riders because that's not who we are um you know the, the guys that we ride with you know at the drop of a hat if we needed you know picking up in a van because we'd broken down or if we needed help getting to track or if we needed something fixed in because we couldn't do it ourselves although we would give it a damn good go you know they they'd be there at the drop of a hat and you know we're, like I said we're at Silverstone next week and uh it's my first track day on my bike this year because I did the the master class um uh in May and one of the lads that we're going with is, has said well if you want I'll put the GoPro on my bike uh, and follow you around so you can get some better footage because sticking it on the back of your bike you, you tend to just get the the footage of your of your backside which I'm sure it gives you one view <laughs> but if you're looking for sort of whole body positioning um it, it's um I guess better to be on another bike um, so yeah, it, it, it's, it's, I suppose it's important to kind of acknowledge that um, the, the males that are negative are probably the minority uh, and actually that the guys that are supportive and, and like, you know, look after you are, are the, definitely the more the rule. <laughs> yeah, I think that's probably quite a fair, fair statement, isn't it? There's, you know, I think if you relate it to track, you're going to get a fair proportion of people who maybe make comments or look at you because you're a girl. And, and yeah, you know, we are at a place when you look at the fact that there's 180, 200 guys like it, that's that's what it is. But like Steph said, the majority of guys who we know and who we ride with anyway are people who are accepting. And if anything, I think they probably feel more challenged. Especially when we overtake them. <laughs> yeah, especially when we overtake them or we're chasing them like they... They, they love it, really. They absolutely love it. But yeah, they're, they're fab, you know. So there's been a few times where we've needed bailing out of some situations or needing a hand with something mechanical or normally because I can't undo a bolt. But that's just strength, right? That's not about, not about being a yeah, female. That's, yeah, that's definitely so, strength. <laughs> yeah, it's, um, it's, you know, it's good to have them around as well because they're, 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 they're a good crack. And I'm very similar to Steph. I, mean, I grew up with hanging out with guys and playing sport with guys anyway so it's probably quite a, a comfortable comfortable environment for us yeah I think yeah. as well that a lot of the guys that we ride with tend to um uh, sort of hand over the responsibility for a lot of the rides as well we seem to planning planning organizing lead stops yeah <laughs> they're, they're more pillion on the ride than uh, than they are on the bike <laughs> See what I love about this conversation that we're having. Everyone's got a smile on their face, and it's it's nice that we can talk about you know men and women getting on together as mates and supporting each other because at the end of the day that's what it's about, and we need more of it. So to the lads, thank you, and girls, you know if social media wasn't around, you know we wouldn't be having this conversation now. Um, so yeah, keep it the good work and keep doing those track days and yes they are doing a track day on the twenty-seven. and I'm we'll talk about pit bitch duties um now actually because you know there might be some girls that you know can't ride like myself but still want to get involved you know I'm a massive petrol head I, I had 
Castrol GTX in my blood since birth. You know, can't get away from it. What what are you expecting um, from from me as a in, as an individual? Because I know you know you've got your tire warmers and then you've you've got your stands obviously there's going to be loads of snacks you know number one priority snacks snacks and coffee yeah (laughs) there's loads to get involved with yeah like uh, you know putting putting the paddock stands on putting the tire warmers on um you know checking the fuel level checking the um the coolant levels and there's loads of little bits and pieces um that happens um both come once you've come in from a session and then getting ready for a session as you know there's there's less sort of warming up of the bikes to be going on because fingers crossed it'll be a warm day although with beth is going to silverstone so it's probably going to rain because she is literally she is literally the track day jinx um um, but you know when we when beth was there in uh, in april it was snowing so the bikes definitely needed warming up before they went out so there's there's loads of stuff to get involved in uh not just making um coffee black no sugar thanks um and you want sna- sugar and white please <laughs> providing snacks <laughs> i think um Deb, it's interesting that you mentioned, obviously, the fact that you don't ride, but it's actually a really nice thing to do if you do ride and if you're thinking mm. about track days as well, because it just gets you used to the environment. It just gets you to understand how the day runs, you know, meet some of the instructors, just get a good feel for, for everything, really. And I know that you're obviously yeah. used to Silverstone, so it's not as if Silverstone's new to you. Um, but sometimes just, just turning up and not knowing where you're going can be quite daunting. So, yeah, I mean although we call it pit bitch it's actually a really important role because it takes a lot of the pressure away from people who are actually doing the track day so just knowing that tea is always going to be on tap knowing that someone's probably going to be reminding you that you do need to eat throughout the day or somebody who's there to say don't worry I'll, I'll do your fuel while you go to the toilet because you've forgotten to fill your tank up and that you're just about to go out on session you know so it's it's actually a really important role it's really supportive mm. but it's it's also quite um enjoyable and Steph came and did pit bitch for me in, in April that's how I went to my first track day you know I went and and pit bitch with one of the guys who kept nagging me to go to track and um yeah it's just just a nice way to be part of something that's awesome yeah and I think apart from the fact that it was probably about minus three degrees in Silverstone in April and snowing when I was doing pit bitching so I was absolutely freezing it it was nice to to be doing those those activities and I think you know I looked after to after Beth and, and her bike and I think again because we know each other so well and we trust each other like she was coming coming in reversing into a space I was putting the rear paddock stand on and then she was getting off of her bike and that was it I you know I was just doing everything kind of that needed to be done I was like this shaking she was cuddling the radiator to warm up um but that that particular uh track day you know that was 20 minute sessions with 40 minutes in between the track day that we've got planned in September, we're doing the masterclass again, but we're doing the masterclass on our own bike. Um, so that's essentially going to be 40 minute sessions and a 20 minute rest. So having a pit bitch in September is going to be like even more important for us because we'll have 20 minutes to to go the loo. We're signing <laughs> up again. Deb's. <laughs> signing you up again. I, I up. think I'm I think I'm gonna be like jumping in on these pit bitch duties to be honest, because I'm literally missing just I'm sure you agree, but just being in the garage in, in the paddock, you just get that buzz. Um obviously if you're at Silverstone, you're either gonna get heat stroke or hyperthermia. That's just a whole different kettle. Or both in the same day. Yeah depending on where you are uh, true story this um i just get a massive massive buzz as soon as that engine starts that's it you won't don't bother talking to me because i ain't gonna listen do, do you know what i mean i'm just gonna be like zoned in um yeah. but we'll keep everyone updated and i'm sure there's gonna be loads of pictures and you know it's gonna be a great time it's gonna be a great experience for me just learning about the bike um in all honesty um and I'm gonna ask let's let's rewind a little bit so Steph you already mentioned about your first ever bike how many bikes you had in total both of you um two you've had two yeah so technically I've had three 
Okay. So my my first bike that I talked about before, the 400, was actually my second bike. Um, I had a, a Honda CG125 that I bought from a friend for a pound because he was deploying to Afghanistan and he didn't want a bike anymore. And like, you know, legally, you've got to change, cash has got to change hands. Um, and it went in the garage uh, and it sat in the garage and it stayed in the garage and it never left the garage until I sold it. <laughs> don't think I even ever sat on it. <laughs> so I just don't count that one. <laughs> yeah, my, my first one was a Yamaha YZF125. Um, I hated it. I, I really, really hated it. And it was probably close enough to put me off riding forever. Um, and I just thought, you know what? No, I'm going to stick with it. I'm going to I'm going to do my, my full license and get onto a bigger bike because people kept saying to me, the bigger the bike, the easier it is to ride. I was like, what are you on about? Like, how is that even possible? But I just didn't feel safe on this 125. I mean, it's a pretty, lovely, pretty white bike, but I hated riding it. Like, I can't even explain how much I hated it. So once I went to the the Daytona, um, yeah, I, I honestly, my my Daytona owns half my heart because I, I don't know what I would do without it. And I also don't know what I would change it to either. So, you know, everyone bangs on about R1Ms or, or R1s and we obviously did the masterclass on it and brilliant bike, loved it, but it was heavy. It was hard work. And actually our bikes are so nimble and so fun that I, I genuinely do not know what I'm going to, what I'm going to go to, but it was like, the way I described my bike and buying my bike was like Harry Potter and the sorting hat. It's almost as if like the bike chose me. I sat on it and I just knew that that was the right bike for me. So as cringy as that sounds, but yeah, that's that's how I how I've ended up with with my Daytona anyway. I'm glad that you explained the Harry Potter reference because I ain't got a clue. I've never watched Harry Potter in my life. But I was gonna say the one two five. Did you uh, hate that because essentially your legs are six foot long and so the bike felt like a mini moto. <laughs> I mean, the bike felt like a mini motor, but it also moved like a mini motor. <laughs> it just didn't go anywhere. <laughs> I just, I just didn't feel as if I could get out of trouble in it, like on it. No. Um, I felt as if the tires were constantly sticking in in grooves in the road, and yeah, I just didn't didn't enjoy it at all. But I also think though that you probably don't enjoy riding as soon as you start. I think you have to kind of do the mileage and get, you know, get bum 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 on seat time hours hours in the seat, and uh, yeah, you know, it comes it comes with time and practice. But yeah, I think it's fair to say that me and Steph definitely have a, a bond with our Daytonas. They 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 are beautiful bikes. I'm I'm a huge Triumph fan. Um, I also like Suzuki bikes. Um, you know, I think they've just got they've just got so much character and personality. Because I'm I'm not very much into like sports bikes. I like the really like retroy street sort of style bikes. Um, because it's like looks are deceiving a little bit. You think ah they ain't gonna go anywhere, and then zoom, you know it, it's it's oh. hot. <laughs> and I, I just like I like that um but yeah try a beautiful bikes I've just think wow. I think they're very well engineered um bikes and I'm not just saying that because I've got a Triumph t-shirt on either <laughs> I generally do hand on heart love, love those bikes so we're not name dropping in this podcast we're, we're product placing are we product <laughs> what's going on here <laughs> product placing um this... We're not sponsored for Triumph. <laughs> no, not sponsored. Set 10 for discount on your Triumph bike. <laughs> <laughs> um, this actually is a good question, because would you say that manufacturers now are starting to cater more for women um, in terms of bikes themselves and obviously clothing? Because there's not much around I think, I think the clothing um, element is growing and growing rapidly. Uh, there's a lot more um, choice um, and, you know, each to their own. Um, but but I, I don't like wearing pink on a motorbike. Um, and I, and I, I, don't, I wouldn't have bought leathers that had pink. Um, and when I went to buy my first set of leathers, everything in the shop was pink. Uh, and so, you know, there was a, there was a bit of a tantrum. Um, but it, the, there is a, there is a lot more that's available, becoming available, L- loads of different brands. Um, and I think the more that the female biking community grows, the more that will appear if, if that, and, and, and kind of, yeah, be, be uh, available to buy. In terms of the motorbikes, I don't, I don't think, I don't think manufacturers, I don't know, I could be wrong, maybe we should ask us you know put a survey out but i don't think manufacturers build bikes 
for women. I think they build motorbikes as you would build a car. They build it to their spec, to their standard. Majority, if not all bikes, I guess, would come set up for probably 80, 80 to 90 kilos, um, which most women are not. Um, and yeah, you've just got to, I suppose, find a bike that suits you. So, you know, I went for the Daytona because it's the, apart from the GSXR, it's the lowest seat height sports bike is the 600s. And I've got like midget legs um, <laughs> that requires a lot of help when we're on hills. Um, but no, I don't, I don't think they, they factor it. Maybe, maybe we're going to get some, uh, some strong. I don't know what the problem is. I really, really don't know what the problem is. Other than the fact that some bikes are quite heavy. Yeah. I don't know what the height issue is. I, I'm not going to lie. I do not have that problem at all. And <laughs> it's, a bit, leg. <laughs> it's a bit of a running joke, isn't it? Like when me and Steph are parked up next to each other, she's on tiptoes and I'm flat footed, bent legged. Like it's, there's a, a big difference. But you know, I went for the Daytona because it's narrow and it doesn't feel too tanky. Whereas mm. some of the other bikes feel really tanky and as if the handlebars are quite away from you. Um, but yeah. There's a part of me, I kind of hope that the industry doesn't change to that extent, because I think a lot of women get into it because of because of the challenge as well. And, and actually, it's something different. And, you know, I'm sure as as Steph said, you know, as more and more women do come into the, the sport, you know, more and more manufacturers will start to change how they do things or or what they bring into the market. And I think that's absolutely fine. But I think that they would be silly to go just purely for yeah. like a, a, a bike designed specifically for females. I, I Could you imagine it's... walking into a shop though and being ushered over into the corner of here's the three bikes that are made for females? No thanks. What I want to yeah. choose, you know, what I want to choose because everyone's going to fall in love with their own bike, aren't they? So because you buy you buy bikes with your heart, not with your head. Mm. Um, and we were saying, weren't we, Steph, the other day when we were riding? Because I said, oh, do you do you think we actually look like girls when we ride? And I mean, Steph the pigtails said, give it away. <laughs> yeah, pigtails or ponytails, but. Steph said, do you actually want to look more like a girl when you ride? And I actually said, no. Mm. Like, you know, we we have boobs, we have bums, we have ponytails. And that that for us, and us two in particular, we're, we're very similar in, in terms of the thought process on that one. That's enough for us. And if people realise as we ride past that we're a girl, great. Doesn't, like, it makes no difference to us whatsoever. But I, I really think that they're also female bikers. You know, the ones that do do purple bikes, pink bikes, wear, you know, wear everything pink crack on I can't stand pink so that would never be me but I, I actually think it's really impressive to see somebody who really really puts themselves out there you know a female that yeah. really puts themselves out there and says hey look at me I'm a chick on a bike yeah you know I mean we're we're kind of undercover I guess you could say but stealth stealth yeah um, <laughs> but you know you pull up and people soon realise you're a female and then you get asked all the questions. But then again, having said that, you know, we were talking as we, we've got intercoms now on our, on our helmets and we were talking as we Worst were riding. Thing ever. <laughs> yeah, especially when you start singing, I'm sexy and I know it in my ears. <laughs> um, but we were saying that um, there, is, there is quite a lot of the time we'll ride into a, a car park to park up or a, a biker stop or whatever. And you can see the guys physically turn and go, oh, a girl. Um, but you were in the car and you or, or the van or whatever, and you saw three girls down the A39 and you got really excited to see them on bikes as well. So it, it's, it, it's, 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 much, it's much nicer to have that reaction, I think, and to, yeah. to get excited by girls being in the sport. Yeah, I mean, I, I was driving past and this girl, I could only tell she was female because of her, her figure. Mm. Obviously much more petite, a little bit curvier. Um, she came past and I was like, oh my God, it's a girl on the bike as if there aren't any girls on bikes. <laughs> and then the next one came back. So I said, oh my God, it's another girl on the bike. And then the third one, I thought, bloody hell, three girls on a bike. And then I thought when we went to Wales the other week and there was 10 of us. Yeah. It's just was... a sight to see. And it's so yeah. lovely. So nice to see it. But yeah, I yeah. hope that manufacturers don't go changing the ways. Let's talk about, you know, what you've been up to this year. Because yes, you have been on trips and you do seem to be spending a lot of time in Wales. There. Let's talk about this because you had, a, like you said, you've had 10, 10 girls with you. You know, let's, let's talk about, you know, all these things. Yeah, I think, you know, despite the weather this year, we have packed in a lot. We were really fortunate to to make a decision super early and, and to go away in April. And the pair of us went away and we did five days in in Wales, just, just the two of us riding around. And then a, a third girl joined us um on the Sunday but 
the the 10 girl weekend was a was a bristol biking girls weekend uh it was an all capabilities weekend so we did have a couple of 125s with us um and we had a few girls with us that were i suppose um a bit bit nervous because they'd not ridden in a while or they had a brand new bike and then we had um one of the girls was uh an advanced um Somerset advanced motorcyclist so you know a real spectrum of kind of skills competencies and experience but actually that's probably what made the weekend because everyone was really supportive of one another um like there was like no one was left behind um Beth and I were kind of like taking it in turns leading because it's it's really quite mentally draining when you're trying to lead the group, trying to keep everyone together, constantly looking in your mirror, kind of tr- tr- trying to count nine bikes behind you and then getting distracted because, you you know, you don't want to crash. Um, but it, it was all of the girls went went home absolutely knackered, but, you know, grinning from from ear to ear, absolutely loving it, asking when the next one is. And, yeah, we, we've already started looking. We've set our sights uh, on, on a much bigger number than that. But... Um, <laughs> whether more it happens than 10. More yeah than more 10. than 10 whether it happens or not remains to be seen but then again we're both pretty determined little I was going to say fuckers but I'll say idiots <laughs> so it is probably likely to happen <laughs> marvellous yeah. marvellous now you uh, dropped Bristol Biker Girls come on what's that all about yeah uh, Bristol Biking Girls so I passed my test and um I didn't know another female biker and I don't know why I felt like I needed to I can't really um describe that I just felt like it would be a different vibe there'd be a different atmosphere it'd be a different different kind of day's ride um so I created a Facebook group kept it in secret mode uh until I could find some female bikers um (laughs) This is where my like kind of geekiness comes out now. But I uh, created some business cards, uh, had them printed and I carried them around with me everywhere. Went to Western Bike Night, went to all sorts of biking events and was like looking around for female bikers and and just didn't see one. Um, And then one day I was uh, out at a local local motorbike shop in my car and I was driving home uh, and there was a, a street triple. Uh, on the motorway and it had this massive long ponytail like you know out the back in the wind and I was that did that whole it's a girl screaming in the car and absolutely chased her down in my mini she came off the the uh the motorway and I followed her down to the sort of the the roundabout and the the traffic light <laughs> put my window down and handed her a business card to say like Bristol Biking Girls find us on Facebook um she took the business card off me and then the lights went green and I drove off and she stole their bike. Um, <laughs> and she famously tells everybody that story. Uh, and that's one of our very good friends, um, Holiday. She was the very first member of, um, of the group. And then from then on, that business card just sort of made its way round um, Bristol in the southwest. Uh, and we are something like, I'd have to look, but we're something like 380 females strong. We've been running for five years. It'll be our fifth birthday in October this year. Uh, plans have already started for how we're going to celebrate it, particularly as our first fourth birthday got cancelled because of, of COVID. But yeah, it's um it's a nice little community. Um, there's no airs and graces about us. It, it's it there's there's it's a space to 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 put a shout out on the Facebook group that you're going for a ride and does anyone want to join you? You know, we, we run weekends, we're on a ride uh, on Saturday. Um, girls kind of swap and buy clothes, bikes, all sorts. And it's, I suppose it's a bit of a safe space for the stupid questions to come out because they don't want to put it on other forums because they don't want the negativity that some males would bring to it. Um, so yeah, it's a nice little group. Um, uh, and uh, it can be like herding two-year-olds uh, on Coke, as in Coca-Cola, um, at times, but not in any other sort of recreational drug. Um, <laughs> but it, it's a lot of fun, uh, a lot of fun. And is that how you and Beth met? No, oh. not really. No. Oh. How, how, 
we've we've yeah. actually got mutual friends. So yeah, holiday with who Steph mentioned. Um, I used to know her from the gym. So we we used to train at a similar times some some days, and um, I don't think I even knew that she rode. But then she's good friends with another girl that I know, and obviously then she oh, met Steph. Yeah. But we'd, like, we'd never met. And then I think, I don't know, Steph, did you stalk me on Instagram or something? Yeah, so I saw you at the Steel Horse Cafe with a load of lads um, and saw your, um, your Insta name on uh, your bike, stalked you, plucked up the courage to, to message you. Uh, and we chatted on, on Insta for, for a little while. Um, and, and then I rode it, past you in Cheddar. Yeah you, yeah, you rode past me in Cheddar and I sort of jumped up and down and waved like a... Like, I'm over here! <laughs> starstruck lunatic and then and then I I was at Shaftesbury at the petrol station at Shaftesbury and you rode past and I was waving and you went all the way around the roundabout and came back into the petrol station and and but by that time we'd already arranged to go out like the week after or whatever so um but believe it or not that was May last year May 2020 so people can't really believe like a lot of people think that we've known each other forever yeah um and we we haven't we've known each other for what 18 not even 18 months no 14 yeah wow so, yeah that's through biking and this is what i like about um like little communities you know you can grow you can make friendships and it's it's just fantastic because at the end of the day we've all got one thing in common obviously for you girls it's it's bikes you know what whatever happens you know on the other side it doesn't matter and I, I think that's fantastic and this is why I I you know I came across you guys again social media through the B Velocity platform because we're all about building building a community getting people involved regardless of age experience um and we do and we do get quite a few males involved in cheering on us girls and i like that we can um collaborate and because we've all got the same thing in common i think it's i think i generally think it's fantastic and you know more power to us because i've said it on numerous podcasts we we're showing people that we can do it if that makes sense, you know, if you want to go inspire. out, inspire. But yeah, inspire. Sounds like we've we've got the same views. To be fair, <laughs> we, we probably have, and I'm sure we're we're not on our own. Um, and I'm kind of gonna leave it on on that note because we've got more positive things to talk about it, as far as I'm concerned. One thing I I like about Bristol White Girls. And don't worry, Steph, I want to know if this is happening again this year. You've done some charity Don't mention stuff. it. Don't mention it. Don't oh, no. <laughs> no. <laughs> you've done some charity stuff and you've done a calendar last year. We did, yeah. Was that stressful? Because... <laughs> if you could all see your face right now. I usually slap people in the face when they ask me this question, oh, are we doing another calendar? Um, do you know what? I'd absolutely, I would absolutely love to, but if I can put it into context, it was 10 weeks of me and the two photographers giving up every single weekend, uh, t- two, if not three nights a week to take, uh, to do 40 photo shoots because there's, there's 40 ladies, ladies in the calendar. There was then an additional six weeks of editing down selecting the photos, um, negotiating with the ladies that are in the calendar, which was the the picture that was chosen to go in the calendar because it needed to be uh, both a picture that they loved, but a picture that worked in the calendar. Um, creating the layout, uh, getting all of the names, uh, Insta names, bike details and all of that together. And sending that off to the printer. Um, and then that was mid-October, I think. I then didn't stop, um, personally, I didn't stop distributing calendars until about the third week of January. We sold over 600 calendars, I think it was, in the end. Um, you know, Beth came to, to mine one, one Friday night, I think it was, and we sat and we route mapped. Uh, about 25 drop-offs because we said 
for the the ladies that were in the calendar, we wanted to sort of personally deliver their their calendars that they purchased, but everybody else was getting in in the post. Um, and we spent a day, an entire day, driving around the southwest delivering calendars and and putting it all over social media. But to manage all that money coming in, to keep a log of everything, so if anyone ever said, you know, Steph, we want to see how much money came in and how much money went to the charity, you know, to keep all of that, um, it was a far bigger project than I'd ever ever anticipated but then we raised eight thousand seven hundred pounds for the charity um well worth the effort but i'm not sure it was something i would jump at to uh jump at the chance to do again <laughs> unless i had some sort of admin assistant <laughs> beth you want the job uh, I, think I'm, I think i'm busy on those months <laughs> i'm busy <laughs> But I, I think it's all, it's probably also worth noting, and it might be a little bit obvious to some people, but uh, Steph, like you work a full-time job, a very, very busy full-time job that has huge responsibilities anyway. You're doing a course alongside it as well. So, yeah. you know, normal life continues to happen alongside projects like that. And I think that that's the sorts of sort of thing that people don't recognize. And actually, you know, they, they see the end product and they they go for their photo shoot and they have a great time and a good laugh, but they don't actually see the the blood, sweat and tears and literally the blood, sweat and tears that go into it. Mm. Um, and, you know, I, I only saw a small amount of that. So I can only imagine, you know, I saw Steph's spreadsheets and everything else. And it's just as well that she's extremely organised and uh, probably one of the best people to, to project manage, so to speak. But it, it's a big, big task, but, you know, an, an amazing cause. And we probably we probably will do it again. Let's face it. But maybe maybe just maybe Steph should probably bring some other people to help her along the way yeah all right if we do it again then uh we need a bigger team let's put it that way yes yeah Deb's looks like she's in <laughs> if it involves charity and it helps you know come to this amazing conclusion like how much you've raised I'm I'm all for it um you know the power power to the people so to speak because Beth including yourself you've done some charity stuff yourself um, and I bet that was hard work as well yeah I mean I don't know what made me think that getting hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of pounds worth of Starbucks cards and posting them was a great idea but it seemed like a good idea at the time um, but yeah it, again it's the, the work that that goes into it is is huge but it's definitely worth worth the the pain I guess but yeah, no, I, I did something at the start of the year and Steph helped along with somebody else in the in the biking community. And it was, you know, it was a success and something that we could do at the time to, I guess, maybe spread a little bit of positivity and some smiles to paramedics across across England. So, yeah, we did uh, coffee and cake to go for paramedic heroes and each Starbucks card had five, five pounds loaded onto it. And yeah, counted them out and dished them out and sent them with a, a letter to a number of different ambulance stations up and down the country. So yeah, it was nice to nice to see. And it, it, I think was it February time? We started it in, in January. The first the first batch went out yeah. mid February. Um and then the last batch went out towards the end of March. Um but yeah, it was just it was just nice to see that you could make a small difference. And obviously being on bikes, you never know when you're gonna need a paramedic. Um and one of the guys that we ride with, he's you know, he is a paramedic and I was moaning about my work and the fact that I didn't really get to take very much holiday last year because I was so busy. And then he mentioned to me that he just had his leave cancelled. Uh, over Christmas because obviously COVID and needing to work the extra hours and manpower and I thought you know what that's an absolute reality check right there if you ever need one you know I'm I'm moaning about the fact that I haven't really had my day's annual leave or I can't go to Austria to see my brother and he couldn't spend Christmas with his family because he had to go out and work so yeah I said to Steph you know there's got to be something that we can do and that's I don't know how but that's where my brain went and that's what we did so I think the bit that got me though was that like when he said to us he was working 16 hour shifts and because they were like back to back he didn't have enough time to go home in between and so he was sleeping in the station like that was the bit that got me like you know so many of us were fortunate enough I suppose to to be able to work from home and yes we didn't get our summer holiday or we didn't get to go skiing or whatever but we were all kind of at home in our own beds and in relative yeah safe and in relative um comfort and not out not out there dealing with that kind of frontline 
um, situation. And and to be fair, the amount of abuse that paramedics take as well is is mm-hmm. and all NHS NHS staff. To be fair, I think we just we kind of chose the paramedics because it, they seemed to, they seemed to be the kind of the sector of the NHS that that didn't have the spotlight shone on them. So it was it was our little way of saying, look, you know, you look after us, you know, we'll look after you, and you know best kind of led the charge and I, I was the glamorous assistant sharing it all over social media <laughs> and yes that's right I just called myself glamorous <laughs> as I sit here in my t-shirt and pajama bottoms <laughs> no that that's brilliant that you guys you know you do this and you know if like I said if you have any other opportunities or you know you want to raise some money then you know we've got a great community and a great backing and I'm up for doing stupid stuff um you know I've done quite a lot for charity myself <laughs> and, I, and I think on on this note I'm going to carry this positivity on and I'm sure if you've listened to season one of the of the podcast this is the bit I like the most so oh <laughs> you guys we ask every single guest for a song choice. It could be something related to them, um, a memory, whatever. You know, it could be a playlist you pop on just before you, you get out on, on your bike and it's going to go on Spotify. What are you thinking? Now, there's one <laughs> song that we have to mention. I think Steph was just about to say it as well. There is one <laughs> song that we have to mention and it's kind of just like our song. Yeah. I, there was a very real chance we were both going to mention the same song, so it sounds like we are. <laughs> and it it just happened one day that like we were both at the petrol station not too far from me, and we both put our Spotify on our playlist on and started dancing. Started and we realised that we were kind of like going at the same beat, and we were both listening to exactly the same song at the same time. So this song is now our song, really, isn't it? Like yeah. it's just just the song, which is um, Head and Heart. Who sings it? Who who is it? Well, the version I've got on my uh, playlist uh, is um, by Joel Corey. I've got Joel Corey. Yeah, that that's that's the one. That is that is going on. I like that. Just have a little bop in my head, bopping around. Yeah, bopping around. Right. This is the bit I don't like. The bye bit. I don't like it because um, I just like like talking to my guests. Seriously, you guys, you've been fantastic and thank you for agreeing to come on and, you know, allowing yourself to, for some free time to come and chat to us and not just chat to us, but chat to our audience as well. I can't wait until the 27th. I've already signed up the disclaimer for the rest of the track days because um, why not? Yeah. Thank you ever so much for coming on. It's It's been amazing. Thank you so much for having us. And keep, yeah. keep doing what you're doing as well, because I think it's absolutely awesome. Keep inspiring all of those women in, in motorsport in the broadest sense possible. So, yeah, yeah especially the young uns as well. You know, the, to see the, the six and the seven year olds coming up through the car in and, you know, Chloe Jones, she was she was at Cartagena when I was there and she's just doing fantastic now. Um, so, yeah, giving giving them a little bit of love and support and appreciation, I think probably is just means the world to them. So yeah, keep doing it. For, for me, for me personally, um, you've, you've hit here um, because that's what it's all about. I love, I love supporting these girls um, because I, I never had that opportunity. I can't afford to. And like I said earlier, you know, seeing them like progress from karting upwards is just fantastic. But I do also see the the other side um, of social media. And I, I think we can talk about this because obviously what happened um, over the weekend, you know, there are some negativities that happen on social media, but I don't broadcast that because we're better than that. And it's the same with you two as well on your social media platforms. I love following you. You just make me laugh and smile and just keep doing it. It's all, all about the fun. It's all about inspiring people just to, I guess, love love life a little bit more. And yeah, a, a very good friend, a very good friend of mine says, "From love, not for love." I'll leave that one with you. Do you know what? On that note, on that bombshell. 
bombshell. <laughs> I like it. Right. Enjoy the rest of your evening, ladies. And I cannot yeah. wait for the 27th. See you there. See Let's you there. go. <laughs> wow. How awesome and inspiring is Steph and Beth? Seriously, can't thank them enough for their time and for coming on the show. I think this is going to be the longest past podcast we've ever done in terms of episodes. But no, if, if you've got any questions for them or us, then feel free to send us a message with any questions you might have for them. As always, if you want to show some love for our podcast, then feel free to like and subscribe. Thank you for listening to the Be Velocity podcast and stay tuned for next week's thrilling episode with more awesome guests. If you know someone who would like to get involved in building our global community or you'd like to get involved yourself, then you know where we are. And on that note, it's goodbye from me. Engineered. Driven. Created.